Uh, thank you, worship team. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go to Genesis. Genesis 45 uh, tonight. As you're turning there, just uh, a few announcements. Uh, the Flourish Women's Ministry will have a prayer service Friday night at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And uh, we will be uh, having prayer Saturday. What, what did I say? 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, if you show up at 10 p.m., go ahead and pray. Amen. On the 10th at 7 o'clock, they're going to be um, uh, in there having prayer. <laughs> We're going to have prayer Saturday morning at 714. And so this is for the night owls and the, and the early birds. So uh, we just offer it all. Also, empty nesters, uh, cup exchange, mug exchange uh, will be on Saturday uh, in the FLC, and that is at 5 o'clock. And then the children are going to bless us Sunday morning. We're going to have the regular service where the kids are going to be here. They're going to share some Christmas carols with us. And also the ladies will be having a ornament exchange on Sunday the 12th, this coming Sunday at 6 p.m. And I hope you've marked on your calendar as well the North Texas Food Bank will be back Tuesday. And so we would appreciate any and all help that we can get. And uh, we will start distributing at 9. And if you want to get here at 830, uh, that would be fantastic. So God bless you. If you haven't signed up, sign up. If you didn't sign up, just show up. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles with me, if you will. And let's go to Genesis 45. I'm going to switch mics on you guys. How's that? Better? Better? Worse? Better? 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 Can you hear me? How about now? Now? Is there, a, is, there a, is there a echo, echo? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's look here in Genesis 45, and I want to begin reading in verse 1. And tonight, I'm going to share something with you, a thought, and what God has laid upon my heart. I begin to look at this passage of Scripture in a little bit different light as the Lord began to expose some things to me today. But let's look here in Genesis 45. Father, we ask for the anointing of your Spirit, the presence and the power of the Word. Lord, will go forth. I pray the anointing upon your servant to deliver, and Lord, our hearts to receive. And Lord, I just ask, knowing tonight, Lord, if the Holy Spirit is speaking, Lord, it will have profound impact tonight. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. He cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him. They were dismayed in his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. They came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved, wow, or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve 
life. For those two years, the famine have been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. To come here tonight, I want to look at this passage and, yes, talk about Joseph and talk about the situation that he faced. But I also want to look at that through a prophetic lens of where the church is right now. I'm going to look at that and just draw some things from this text of Scripture that I believe the Lord is speaking to the church in this hour. Because what we see here is that Joseph had a dream, did he not? And it was some time before that dream was actually fulfilled. In fact, we're looking at 22 years after the fact, when God had given him the dream uh, that his brothers were going to bow down to him. And of course, his interpretation of that dream was that they were going to serve him. As many times we fall into the trap of thinking that the dream is meant for other people to serve us. What Joseph didn't realize is that the dream ultimately would be fulfilled, that he would serve the world. Now, as we look at this, I want you to, the title of this evening's message is simply this, Born for Crisis. Born for Crisis. Joseph had received a vision from the Lord, a dream from God, before the events that took place upon the earth. The Lord had already foreordained that Joseph would be the one who would rule in the land and preserve the children of Israel and the covenant people. But see, Joseph many times, and I, think, I believe in, in, in our modern church history, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've talked about revival for many, many years. We, we've discussed, in fact, when I came into the kingdom of God, I, I, I just began to have an overwhelming sense that God was doing something or he wanted to do something. And the only way I can define what I would call in a one-word vision that I believe God has for my life, just like he has for your life, if I could define the purpose that God has put me on the earth for, if I could define it in one single word, it would be revival. When the Lord brought me to the kingdom of God, it was for the purpose of revival. Now that encompasses a lot of things. But I didn't understand how much the world would be in need of revival. Joseph was given a dream, and that was a God-ordained, God-imparted, God-orchestrated dream for his life. And that dream would come about during the time of a world crisis. Pennies dropping, 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 dropping. Just waiting on it. Just drop, 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 drop. 
Understand that the vision God has given you is for now. The vision God has given for the church is for now. We can all agree, and I'm talking to the, primarily the core that's in this house tonight. And what I mean by the core, I mean the persons that are sold out the whole route. You understand we're on the same page. We're moving the same direction. We have the same intent. We have the same desire. We, we, we want what God wants. We want the fire of the living God to begin to burn rich and real in our hearts, in our homes, in our community. We want to see the blaze of God's glory fill up. We're not interested in church as usual. We're interested in the magnification of the glorification of of the resurrected Son, Jesus Christ. We're looking for God to absolutely use us for what He purposed for us in these last days. We don't have any other agendas. Playtime, we know, is over. Spirit of offense has no place in our hearts. We don't have time for all of that business. we got to be about the Father's business we got to stay steadfast and true and anchored in the love of Jesus and bear His image in the world because that's what He has designed and desired for us. So as we look here, we see, you know, you got to reach for the right tool at the right time. Just finished renovating my bathroom. 1,200 pieces of tile put up on the wall in the shower. It didn't start out with the tile. It started out with ripping out the old tub that had fallen to pieces. So I had to go get a hammer and a crowbar. I had to rip it out. I, I couldn't use the trial that I was going to use to put the mud on the wall to stick the tile. I had to use the right tool at the right time. So I had to rip out everything and then put stuff back. I had to get the level out. I didn't need the hammer to level it up. I had, to, I had to make sure everything was level. I had to make sure everything was ready. I had to put the, um, the, the hardy backer on the wall. I had to get the drill on and on and on. I had to put the tape. But each time that I had a job to do, I had to reach for the right tool to get that job complete. We got it all finished up, and the person most impressed was my three-year-old granddaughter. Oh, she enjoyed it. She appreciated it every step of the way. But who appreciated it the most was my three-year-old granddaughter. She asked her mother, she said, Mama, have you seen Jacob's new bathroom? <laughs> Talking about more than a conqueror. She said, no. She said, come, let me show you. She carried her mother in there and showed her all the, all the, uh, the, the renovation of the bathroom. I just had to throw that in there because it's just so cute. You know what I'm saying? Three-year-old designer, step, watch out, uh, uh, Joanna Gaines. There's a new girl in town. Amen? But see, you've wondered and you've asked the question, why am I here? You're the right tool at the right time. You're the right tool at the right time. You were born, not out of crisis, you were born for crisis. You were born for a day that we are facing today. How do I, how do I know that, preacher? Because you're breathing and you're here. 
You weren't born in the time of Joseph. You didn't see the famine that he saw. You didn't see what his brothers saw. You are born today because when God breathed into Adam's nostril, he had already seen you ahead in time. And he decided that I wanted you here at this time, in this season, in this hour, because God trusts himself in you. Now, as we look here, I, I read different translations of God's Word just to get different aspects. And there was, have you ever been captivated by a passage of Scripture? You, you just read it and you're just like, just, wow. It just captivates you. And, and there's a, I'm going to come back and I, I haven't seen the fullness of it, but man, it just keeps... It just keeps nourishing my soul. It's like I've been hooked up to the lifeline of God. He just keeps pouring it into me. And, and I only want to look at the, the last portion of this one verse in Psalm 16 and 5. And it's the Passion Translation. But in there, in verse 5, it says in Psalm 16, Yahweh, you alone are my inheritance. That's great, and I'm going to talk about that in the future. I love this part too. I, I can see a three-point message in this. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I'm not going to preach that tonight. Don't get me started, okay? But this is what's really captivated my attention. You hold my destiny and its timing in your hand. DNA in me and you that dream the destiny. God holds it and it's timing in His hand. Wow. It kind of puts Him in charge and not me. It kind of relieves a little bit of the condemnation from us, does it not? Yes, we participate. Yes, we're involved. But ultimately, it's when and where God says. When and how God says. You, you hold, you hold like a precious gem and jewel, my destiny, my life, the, the start, the middle, the end, the, all of it from, from time beginning until time now. You, you put that in your, in your hand and you, you hold on to that and no one can take it out of your hand. No one can remove it from your hand. My destiny is in the care of God. And when he is ready, he will bring the timing forth. And I hear the voice of the angelic host backing me up right now. I can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit declaring through me. And that is this. It is the time of the church. You were born for crisis. I knew there would be a crisis on the earth, and that's why I called you out. That's why I called you forth. That's why I positioned you. That's why I purposed for you to be here now. Your destiny and its timing are right here. It's one of those Kronos Kairos kind of things that's going on. Greek measurement, and yes, they 
filter everything back through their gods, but we can still look at the language of it, and we can see that the chronos and the kairos, and there's a measurable, chronological, we set the watch to it, we set the charts to it, we set the calendar to it. That's the chronos. We've been on the chronos time. Uh, we've been walking it out uh, day in and day out, and up in the morning and down at night, and up in the morning and down at night, and we live through the day, and we, we're just clocking time, we're clocking time uh, but then there comes a kairos, a moment in time where there's time to harvest, where there's time for jubilation, where there's time for the church to arise. And I believe we're in that day. See, Joseph is here. And I want to begin to look here a little deeper. We've got to have this revelation of our position revelation of our position and what I mean by that see in verse 8 it says now it was not you what you guys you sold me they threw me in a, you threw me in a pit and you sold me into slavery thinking you were in charge of my destiny no now listen to me I believe God could have got Joseph where Joseph needed to be any means or measure he decided to get him there and just because he started out in the pit didn't mean it was necessarily the will of God that he start out in the pit. Grab hold of that for just a minute. I wanted my children to have a revelation of who God was, but I didn't want them to go through the hell that I went through to get there. And you know what? My children love the Lord, and they didn't have to go through all the nonsense that I went through. They didn't have to go through all the, uh, the child abuse. They didn't have to go through the divorce. They didn't have to go through all of that. They, they were able, we were able to walk in covenant uh, and agree with God, and God got them there anyway. Amen? So hear me. Just because it's recorded doesn't mean it's the will of God. We just hear the story. So in the story, what we find out is he was thrown in a pit. That wasn't bad enough. He slowed into slavery. That wasn't bad enough. He had to face the defamation of his character, and he was chunked off into prison. But the Bible tells us that God was with him every step of the way until ultimately the dream that God had given him, he became the dream interpreter, and he began to interpret other people's dreams. And next thing you know, he's interpreting the dream of the ruler of the known world, and now he is second in all of Egypt. During a time of world crisis. But do you notice that the Lord foresaw that day? He said, here's the interpretation of the dream, Pharaoh. What's going to happen is that you're going to have years of plenty, and then you'll have years of famine. You're going to have years of plenty, and then you're going to have years of famine. And the Lord gave you two dreams to tell you it is imminent, it is happening, it's going to take place. Guess what? They had years of plenty. And now they were stepping into years of famine. And it was the hunger. It was hunger. It was hunger that drove the brothers to him. 
It was hunger that's going to drive the world to the church. It's hunger that's going to drive them. It's a hunger. God is putting a ravenous hunger in the hearts of His children first. And then that hunger is going to spill out. And they're going to rise up as they did in the days of Ruth. And they said, oh, oh, wait a minute. I heard some good news. There's bread in Bethlehem. There's bread in Israel. There's bread at the church. I want to go, not for that physical taste of bread. I need a bite of something good and his name's Jesus. Amen? So we see here that hunger drove them, the brothers, to Joseph. Mm. There is Joseph there. and Folks, we've got to have a revelation of who got us here. You can't know why you're there until you know who brought you there. You didn't just show up. I love Paul. He repeatedly in his letter to Timothy, in his letter to the church of Galatia and, and Colossae and, and Ephesus, he tells them, I am a, an apostle by the will of God. I am who I am because God has made me who I am. I am appointed. You are appointed, appointed of God to be here now. Fathers, you are appointed to be the head of your home. Mothers, you are appointed to be mothers not only in your house, but be mothers in Israel. Amen? Yes. Called. We need to know and have a revelation of our position. We're not just here. We're not just vapors floating in the wind. Yes, life is but a vapor, but let me tell you, you're not a vapor. Then we can get to the revelation of our purpose. Notice in verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. Some versions say remnant. But that word prosperity means a successful, flourishing, thriving condition. Do you think that the Lord wants the church to walk in an emaciated state of anxiety and fret and worry and fearful of everything around the corner and chewing our nails off and over medicating ourselves because we are so racked with anxiety and I don't take anything away from those who are suffering with those conditions but what I'm saying to you is that God is calling forth uh, His church to walk uh, in a place, uh, whether we have it physically or not, uh, which I do believe there's a physical aspect to it, uh, but there is a spiritual aspect uh, that God wants us to walk in. It is joy and hope and peace and rest and harmony and walk in a place that flourishes in God's desire. As we see here, it needs to be a revelation of purpose. I want you to look here as we back back up. First off, we see that Joseph was called for the protection and preservation of the covenant. What is your purpose? It's no different than that of Joseph. It is for the preservation and protection of the covenant. Now, God's side doesn't need any protection. Amen? He's fulfilled his part, and it is eternal and forever. But see, the Lord's desire is that we bear his image. 
And the only way that we, we can't make somebody else's choices, if we could, we'd be in their house making their choices. You know, when you raise your kids from an early age, you've got to instill in them the ability for the, for the choices. And you've got to trust when you get them to age that they're going to make good choices. But ultimately, you, you go from demanding what they're going to do to the point where you're just like, okay, I've done all I can do. Now you're, on, you're out there. I, I, I revert to a, a counselor role. I don't actually offer my input to my kids unless they ask. Because I have found out in life, people really don't even care unless they're asking. <laughs> Most of best friends in my life, they don't even hear me unless they're asking the questions. They got, they got to be asking the questions first, but I don't want to overstep my bounds with my children. I, I let my children do what they do, and they live where they live, and they, they operate where they operate. But folks, what I'm saying is this. We got to get to the place where we understand we don't make people's choices for them. But we've been called to influence some choice. Amen? How do we influence choice? We don't drag them in as Andrea uh, did an exhortation a week or so ago about being a Nazarite versus a Shunammite. We, we're not interested in making you rule-oriented if you can't be a lover of Jesus Christ. Because once you fall in love with Him, uh, then the rules, uh, you don't need to worry about the rules take care of themselves. But let me tell you, what would happen if you overflowed with all measure of joy that heaven, heaven wants to pour through you? If you walked upon your workplace and you wasn't gripping with the rest of them about the boss, and you wasn't uh, getting your validation by your paycheck, but you were there just exemplifying the nature and the call and the cause of Jesus Christ. And you're full of joy, and when people are panicking, you are at peace. Wow. That might change the outlook, the atmosphere. You might start shifting atmosphere when you come in there. You might start walking into the workplace and all of a sudden the devil knows he can't discourage you, so he calls and discourages somebody else. But your light of your influence begins to push the darkness away. And while you're there, you're changing the entire environment and people begin to recognize I didn't make their choice. I'm just influenced a little bit. Just influenced by the Holy Spirit. I, I just, see, when I, when I walk into a place, it's not just me walking in. I, I, all of heaven is, is following me. Sometimes heaven's going ahead of me. Heaven's all around me. How do I know that? Because the kingdom of God is not with observation, but the kingdom of God is within me. And so with the, wherever the king uh, is occupying, he is there. It means uh, heaven above is right now heaven inside, and I carry heaven everywhere I go. It's going to change these things. I've got to get on to the message. I want you to notice something, a characteristic about a person who understands their purpose. When we begin to understand that we were born for crisis, we stop hiding. We see here that Joseph, notice this, Joseph made himself known. His brothers hadn't recognized him until this point. Joseph was, I don't know, it's my, 
it's my perception, it's, it's just study. I think that Joseph was messing with his brothers. I think ultimately Joseph was wanting to know, were they going to do the same thing to Benjamin? Because it came from the same mother. He was, he was testing them to see, and he hadn't revealed himself yet. His brothers sold him and sold him out. They had no love. The Bible said that they not only hated him, but the, because of the father's favor, they hated him even more. And they sold him. Some of them wanted to kill him. And now he's here, and he's unrecognizable. <laughs> I just love the fact that God can position you at a place that you are unrecognizable from where you were before. I love to go visit my hometown, and they, Dennis has got a, he's got, I've seen some pictures. <laughs> This long-haired gentleman who was addicted to drugs. He's not that person anymore. There's, some, there's been some transformations in this room where you, you just not, you're unrecognizable. People don't even know who you are. Here is Joseph, and he's in a position. He's unrecognizable. His brothers don't know who he is. He's not talking their language anymore. He doesn't look like them anymore. But there came a time... We had to stop hiding behind all that and just step out. He had to step out. He had to step out of his position. It's time the church steps out of the steps down from the position of me, 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 me. And it steps down into the takes hold of the towel and start washing the feet again. You're not here for me. I'm here for you. We're going to get it one day. What? We got it. See, but he had to come out of that. See, the characteristic of a person who understands their purpose, they're not hiding in position anymore. They're not, they're not a, using their power to ensure that they don't get hurt anymore. They're not there in a place, in a position to make sure that what happened before doesn't happen again. Understand what I'm saying. There's been too many in the house of God that have been derailed because of someone else's failure or their own failure. They've been sidelined and they're sitting at home tonight because somebody hurt them and the expectations were not met and the relationship didn't work out and there was a failure. And so to protect themselves, they go into hiding and they wall themselves up. But God's saying this is not what you've been called to do. You were born for crisis. Now come out from among them. Step out into the place and start making the voice of God known. The characteristic of one who understands purpose doesn't hide. It's comfortable in their own skin. Who steps out into that place. We see here that Joseph made himself known. And I want you to notice this. He wept so loudly. 
began to weep. And I, I looked up a verse here in Hebrews, and I, I got it pulled up on my phone. I just want to share it with you. As he, Jesus, speaking of Jesus in Hebrews, also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things that he suffered. After the order of Melchizedek, I believe, folks, that there is coming. See, Joseph was so broken. He was so broken at that moment that he came out. He's not protected. He's completely vulnerable. He's the little brother that was sold into slavery. But now he knows he has to reveal who he is because he can't hold it in anymore. Oh my God, when the church gets in the place where the word becomes like fire shut up in your bones and I, I just can't sit still anymore. I've got to tell somebody about the Lord. There was such a brokenness inside of his heart that he began to weep so loudly, so passionately that the whole house of Pharaoh, the world began to hear of the brokenness. Oh my God, if the world could hear the church crying again between the porch and the altar, offering up the same broken spirit to allow the wellspring of the balm of Gilead to begin to flow again. Let me tell you, in this house tonight, homosexuals and lesbians are not the enemy. Let me go further. There's no political party that's the enemy. Your president is not the enemy. They're the target. They're the target. What do I mean by that? No, it's not anything goes. Yes, the devil uses people. And folks, we got to realize we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What our world is in need of is image. They've lost the image of Christ. And they're acting like it. They're walking in the nature of the flesh. I know I just disrupted a lot of your political ideas, but I'm not interested in the zealot mindset of the church. I'm, I'm as patriotic as the next person, but let me tell you what supersedes patriotism is Christianity, because we are after God in this house, and there's every known person in the world that needs to hear that God has come to change them back into the image of that they were created for. And it breaks my heart every time I see someone who has forsaken the image of God trying to find their way in this dark world, choosing a sexual reference that is not what God has intended for them.
Don't be deceived, church. They're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're lost, groping in the darkness, trying to find some measure of love. But if the church would rather offer them a fist than a hand, I don't want to be in a room with a bunch of mad people. I don't want to raise my kids to be angry with people, be angry with the devil. No, it's not anything goes when you come up in here. We're not interested in leaving you in the cage you walked in here. We won't see you free. Because whom the Son says free is free indeed. I don't want what I had before. I don't want to look like I used to look. I don't want to act like I used to act. I, want to, I don't want to do what I used to do. I want to do and be and to go where he wants me to go. Don't get it twisted, church. We're not anything goes. We welcome every person of every walk of life and every sin that is out there in this house because in this house, God will show up and God will break that yoke. I believe there's a heartfelt brokenness that will bring forth a wellspring of healing. One last thing, and I'm going to close. Notice in verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. What? You boys that hate me, come near to me? You robbed me of 22 years of my life. You'd come near to me? Does my father live? I just want to know. I want to see his face again. You took that from me. We didn't hear those words, did we? I'm here living in Egypt. I should be out there with my father tending his flocks, but I'm here. Didn't hear any of that. But what we heard was a man. He said, Come. See what the Lord is doing in these last days. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, because this is where it's probably going to stump you more than anything because you're born for crisis. You're born for crisis. Have you ever seen a day in your life? I believe there's been times in history where it has existed, but in our life, have we ever seen more contention in relationships than we do now? There are more opinion, people with more opinions than I've ever seen in my life. And they build their boxes, they stand on their opinions, and it's their way or the highway. And there are those that are in this house, in this house tonight, you have been so grievously hurt in your life because of what someone else has done to you. That you've learned to cope 
and to deal with it as best you could. But I'm saying to you, there is a spirit of reconciliation that God is pouring through His church right now. That you're going to get to the place in your heart because God's doing the work where you're going to open up and God is going to allow you to have the heart to open your arms and say, come on and come near to me. Come near to me. The spirit of reconciliation that must come. Folks, we were at a conference a few months back. In the midst of that conference, the Lord spoke something to Andrea as we had been praying about some things. But the Lord said this. He said, you will never board community until you land Unity. You'll never board and fly in community until you land unity. See, there's a lot of division. I'm not saying in this body, I'm saying in the world today. What the enemy is seeking to do is for us to, to bring that mindset in here. Till we take all of our broken relationships that we've had before, and when we look at people, we look through the lens of that brokenness. We only see people as threats. And we camp in certain areas, and we just, you almost have to whisper, did you get Because you don't know when people are just going to blow up. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to get vaccinated? Do it. Do your research and make a be led of the Spirit. Amen. Get vaccinated in faith or don't get vaccinated in faith. But whatever you do, do it in faith. Yes. Let the Lord lead you. But Good gosh, let's stop allowing those things to divide the house of God. I mean, the enemy has used every tactic possible. But guess what? We're still here. We're still together. We're still moving forward. Andrew shared something in life class, and I promise I will try to close with this. You've heard the story of my stepfather. The man who horrifically abused me for years. Physically, emotionally, sexually, the whole thing. We were getting ready to fly to the country of Scotland as missionaries. We're there visiting my mother in a nursing home, and lo and behold, who walks in the door? There he is. He was stunned that I was standing there. Before I even had a moment to think about it, I walked over and hugged him. Ask him how he's doing. Andrew said, don't we hate him? Wow. I said, what? She said, don't we, don't we hate him? 
I said, I forgot. The Lord is wanting to open your heart to where you can walk in a freedom that exists only by the Spirit. We've got to step out and stop guarding ourselves. We've got to understand who got us here. We've got to understand why we're here. We've got to understand everything that we've gone through has brought us to where we are today. Not everything has been the will of God. But God works things to his will. Now we, we fall short and this is by the power of God the final close. All things work together for good. That's not the complete truth. Not everything in my life worked to my good until I discovered the love of God and the purpose of God. And now God has taken everything, just like he did in Joseph's life, just like he did in your life. And now because of the love and the purpose of God, all those things that were meant to destroy me and destroy you has made us who we are. And that tragic thing has become the very victory that we walk in because Jesus has revealed himself. Stand, if you will. Worship team, make your way up here. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to close together in just a moment in corporate prayer. But tonight, there's some brothers and sisters in here that are going through some physical battles. There are some Sorry I switched on you. Our family is hurting. Some people in here need a touch in their body we believe this freely we have received freely give we're not going to tell you to do something or force you to do anything outside of freedom what I'm saying to you so we're going to pray with you, we're going to agree with you, and we're going to trust with you that God's going to touch you. I don't think Lee would mind me having him come first. He's in the hospital just a few days ago with congestive heart failure. He needs a touch in his body. There are others right now. If, if you feel comfortable, even if you don't, just come on. Come on, I want to pray with you. I want to pray. Lester's going in and get his heart checked out this week. Come on. Your back is out. Your back is healed. Come, come here, guys. Come here. Clint, where are you at? Angel, come here. Come here. Come here. 
The Lord said he's going to heal you right now. Not in a minute, not in a moment. Now, 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 now. In the, now, in the name of, now in the name of Jesus. Put your hands up. I need some guys. Chris, follow me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, folks. Set your hands this way. Father. Father. 